Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. For those of you who have been uh, hanging out with us for this month, you know we're back to basics. We're using the original Science of Mind textbook here. Uh, we're going through the first four chapters to give us that refresher, that overview of what Science of Mind is all about. The first couple weeks, we talked about what God is. Week one, uh, we noticed that God was everywhere present, all-powerful, the, the majesty of God, the fact that God is truly everything. Uh, last week, Reverend Sharon talked about, and hello, that means us. <laughs> I think I'm paraphrasing you well on that, that that when we talk about uh, God as being everywhere, a lot of times we think of ourselves somehow as separate from that, that that God is that judging guy up in the sky or something crazy like that. And, And I think Sharon did a great job of saying, well, hello, no, if God is everywhere, that means me too, that my very consciousness is part of the consciousness of God, that my very thoughts are a, a small subsection of God's thoughts, if you will, that there can be, in a sense, no separation from God because God is part of everything, including us. So that takes care, first two weeks takes care of what God is. Second two weeks, we're gonna talk about what God does in terms of how God shows up in the world. And I think a good place to start uh, is just a reading from the beginning of, of this third chapter of the Science of Mind textbook here. We are surrounded by a mind or an intelligence that knows everything. It is the potential knowledge of all things that exists in the capital M for mind. That this abstract essence of beauty, truth, and wisdom exists in the mind of the universe, that we also exist in it, and that we may draw from it. But what we draw from it, we must draw through the channel of our own minds. And so what he's saying here is that the way that God does what God does is through us using our thoughts and beliefs. Well, now, I think the best way or one of the best ways to illustrate how this works is if you think about a job interview. Now, there are a couple different ways, and anyone who's in HR, I think, will back me up on this. There are a couple different ways, general ways, that you see people approach job interviews. And you can almost see them as they're walking down the hall and going into the interview room. Some of the people will be like, oh my gosh, I really need this job. And I gotta tell you, with the job market the way it is, the number of applicants, my own experience, the age I'm at, I don't know that I have a chance at this job. Been out of work for a few months now, or maybe longer than that, and there are so many hungry young people out there with better credentials than I have, with more work experience than I have, I don't even really know why I'm applying for this job. I I guess it'll extend my uh, unemployment insurance for a while, but the chances, especially at my age, and and especially, you know, where I come from in my experiences, I don't even know why I bother with this, really. This job is just more than what I can probably even handle. I don't have all the training for it, and they're going to see that in a minute. Have we all either experienced that or known someone who has gone into a job interview like that? Guess what happens? 
They agree with us. <laughs> they agree with us. They see within us that trepidation, that fear, that uh, insecurity, that, that uh, almost assuredness that this job isn't mine. And so they say, okay, you're right. This job isn't yours. Contrast that, I think, with someone who enters a, a job interview in this way. Wow, this is kind of a cool place. And you know, everyone I've seen so far is really friendly. I've been looking forward to this job interview, and I think this could be a great job. I wonder what it's going to be like. Well, it doesn't really matter. As soon as they get to know me a little better, they'll see how capable I am, how interested in getting this work done. I bet I have really some things to offer here. And although it's true, I may not have all the qualifications, what I know about me, I am a quick learner. There is nothing that can hold me back. Uh, and in fact, let's say they ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. I'll just say, I don't know the answer, but I bet we could look it up pretty quick. Have you known someone like that? Or have you experienced going into a job interview uh, with that kind of an attitude? And what do the HR people say? They say yes. They say, and so it is. And they say yes, this is the person for us. Do you see how it is our very thought patterns that have an effect, a direct linkage out into the world? Now, a job interview may be a, a, a very kind of cut and dried situation because it actually is making us focus truly on what we believe about ourselves, what's true about ourselves, and what we can do with that stuff out in the world. So maybe that's a, a, a more black and white suggestion or a, a more black and white situation, I would say, uh, that calls to mind how this law of mind works. But it's working all the time. It's working in every direction. As we believe, so the universe will respond to us. It's as though we have a magnet almost. And the, our thoughts represent that magnet. And so when we're having, uh, having thoughts of trouble and discord, of dismay and worthlessness, what we tend to attract to ourselves is more experiences of that. In fact, we, we tend to almost seek it out, like, like an affirmation. Oh yeah, there's some more of it over there. Let's get a little closer. <laughs> And it's not that we're doing it on purpose, but it's almost that like it's vibrating at, at our same level. It's almost like uh, that's where I belong. Here's where the sad people are today, right? So, so I'm not feeling so. Have you? In fact, for a while I worked in the telephone company when they were in a in a downsizing thing, and if you wanted the vortex of self pity in the universe, it was the cafeterias there at lunchtime, right? You could feel it. You could feel it, and people would hang out there to reinforce each other's idea of how bad the company was and how there would be layoffs and how their jobs weren't secure. And well, hello, <laughs> guess what were the first people let go? <laughs> so what I'm telling you is what you think is what you're going to get. Now, there's a good news and there's a bad news story here. The good news is the more, um, what do I want to say, the more consciousness we put into our thoughts, the, the more that we really think through what we're thinking, the good results we'll have. But I also want to portray, if you will, some of the bad news here. 
So a scatterbrained young man was driving down the freeway when his car phone rang. Answering, he heard his wife's voice urgently warning him, Billy, Billy, are you still on Interstate 5? I just heard on the news that there's some idiot going the wrong way on the freeway through town. Please be careful. No kidding, says Billy, and it's not just one car going the wrong way. It's hundreds of them. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I've been in that car before. I've been driving. The trouble is, sometimes our thoughts are our own worst enemy. Sometimes we get in our heads that we're not lovable or that we're not capable, that we're too old or too young or, or, or overqualified or underqualified. Sometimes we, we think that because we've had a, I don't know, a bad run of dating that we're just unlovable or, or we imagine that we've, because we've had trouble with the kids at home that we're a bad parent or whatever it is and we tend to hold on to those things. And I would even suggest to you that sometimes our negative beliefs about ourselves are actually kind of unshakable. And so if we keep continue putting into this law of, uh, of consciousness, uh, the negative, the self-limiting, the lacking, the poor me, the victim consciousness, that's what we will keep getting. And brain science actually backs this up a little bit, which is also kind of scary. It says, oh, oh excuse me, excuse me. Uh, before we get there, actually, I wanted to share this fun list with you. Uh, I think this might surprise you. So I found this on the internet. It's things that we believe that just aren't true. Let me, I've got 10 of them here, but I'm just going to work through a couple of them. So first of all, Napoleon Bonaparte was not short. Napoleon was five foot seven, and that was the complete average and standard in the 1800s. He was not short. Now, everyone here, right? The Napoleon complex, the little guy that's going to that's gonna achieve no matter what, the, you know, the little general that, right? Isn't that like a thing, and we all believe it's true? It's not true. Number two, bulls are colorblind. They can't see whether you're waving a red flag at them from any other color. Red, blue, white, pink. Wave it at a bull. It doesn't matter. You'll still probably get run down, but it isn't anything to do with the color red. Next one, kind of creepy, but I like it. Hair and fingernails do not continue growing after people die. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't care what forensic show you saw on TV. I don't care what you were told as a kid. They do not grow after death. The next one, and I, Sharon, I think you and I may have perpetrated this one. Albert Einstein never once failed a math test in school. There's that old, you know, kind of rallying cry, well, even, even Albert Einstein failed at a math test in high school, and yet look what he went on to succeed. Well, he never failed. It's just a story. It's just a story. Now, you might say, Larry, okay, so, you know, fine. You know, is there, you know, is there something else here? What's going on? Why is this important? The reason that this is important is if one year from now I came up and did this exact same sermon, you would still be surprised. Now drink that in for a minute. If I told you these exactly the same things a year from now, 
you would be surprised again. And the studies all show this. They have done any number of studies. People are unwilling to change their beliefs unless they have a firsthand experience of it or some more weighty reason to change it. This is alarming. All of the time, we, we do our best. We go to sensitivity ser- uh, sermons. We, you know, w- we learn about the equality of the sexes and why glass ceilings are a bad thing. And, and, and we learn about uh, diversity and, and why that's important and how important that is. And yet, unless we have a direct experience of it, we don't really take it in. In fact, studies have shown that people will tend to favor a belief that they had from early childhood or from early times in their lives, despite any amount of evidence to the contrary. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how we can harness the tool of our minds. And so I'm going to save for next week some tools and techniques for really how on purpose we can change some of our beliefs and thoughts to get better results. But the reason I'm telling you this now is this is not a piece of cake. If we want to actually use the power of our own thinking to have different results in the, ro- in the world, we have to first of all know that a lot of the stuff that's in there to begin with is just wrong. And we have the inertia, if you will, of our thought patterns, the, the, the connections that we have with other people and other places that tend to reinforce what we also believe to be true, whether it's what we want to believe or not, whether it's true or not. It just is that way. Okay, next week, lots of tools and techniques. But the other thing I want to talk about this week is it's not just our thinking, it's also our emotions. And here's where that that scientific study comes in that I was talking about. This was a study done in the, in the University of Toronto and published in the journal, journal of Neuroscience. The human brain is wired to remember emotionally charged events while discarding mundane information, such as where you left your car keys. (laughs) Emotional and traumatic events, whether negative or positive, such as special occasions or accidents, are interpreted more keenly by our brains, are stored with greater coherence, and are easily to retrieve later on. Now, why is this important? Well, first of all, I'll tell you, it is the way it works. When I look at my childhood, I can remember exactly what my mother was wearing the day that she got the phone call that my father had passed away. I can picture her in my brain in that outfit just as though it were yesterday. And equally, uh, I can picture my 10th birthday. Has anyone ever had a day that was just perfect. It's like, you know, everyone was friendly to you. Everything was laid out beautifully from one moment to the next. Everything was just like a celebration of your own life. That's what I remember about that birthday. And I can absolutely recall what my cake looked like on that day. We simply can use the power also of our emotions, if you will, to lock into our brain different thoughts and beliefs and ideas. And the more that we use our emotions, and again, either negative or positive, it has that that ability and that effect of, of highlighting, if you will, what you believe and what you understand to be true. So it's our thoughts and it's our feelings that really create our reality. 
I want to use a, a personal example. You know, a friend of mine and I were at the dog show on Friday, and uh, and we were having a, a quite a good time. And, uh, and and in fact, I was uh, mentioning to her that in a way it was a little bit like a trip down memory lane. It was like one of the cocker spaniels, you know, one part some some things in its breed, and that was kind of the dog that I was born with, and it was so sweet to see that. And and we were back in the grooming area, and there was a silky terrier there that they were brushing out. Oh my God, it had. You know, I mean, the terrier is only this big, but the fur was like this big and silky and beautiful, and they're brushing it out. And I'm going, there's my Sophie. So let me tell you the story of Sophie. She was uh, one of those uh, rescue dogs. And uh, for those of you who knew Sophie, you may have some ideas of why she was a rescue dog, as she would bite you. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, over the years, though I loved her dearly, <laughs> People did, and, and I myself, did have my issues with her. Uh, that terrier breed, you know, often, you know, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and you're not, I mean, the training was for us, not for it. <laughs> and so, uh, so I'm noticing the terrier there, and it's really reminding uh, me of a story uh, of my dear Sophie. So she was very old. She'd gone blind. She'd gone deaf. She was uh, 16, if I remember right. And, uh, and a tragedy happened. The gas person came to read the gas meter and left the back gate open. So blind dog, deaf dog, uh, mobility challenge dog, it had arthritis. It's out, it's nighttime, and it's January. And the temperature is predicted down to be below freezing. And so... In my mind, as soon as I realized, I, I mean, of course, I, call, I, mean, I called her, I knew she couldn't hear, but it made me feel better, I guess. And so I, I'm calling her, and, but I mean, she's gone. She's gone. So what do I do? I start having thoughts of her really being dead. I mean, in my mind, in that moment, it's like the worst thoughts are playing out, and I'm starting to feel small and afraid and terrified, and I'm picturing her lost and probably eventually just falling down somewhere and freezing to death. And, and though I was kind of circling the neighborhood looking for her in my mind with each step, it's as though I was burying her. I mean, I'm thinking about you know, what to do if someone calls, you know, well, I think we have your dog here, but, you know, it was horrible. And my partner at the time was staying home uh, next to the phone because she did have a collar on and we're hoping, you know, that maybe someone will call. And meanwhile, I'm kind of, you know, doing one of those search patterns that goes out on a spiral and, you know, I'm five or six, but I tell you with every step, with every step, I'm just feeling the loss. With every step, I'm feeling that I'm not only not having her, but that she's gone. And finally, after about, I don't know, maybe I'm at four or five blocks kind of from our house circling around, I stopped myself and I said, Larry, is this what you want to experience? Regardless of what happens here, regardless of whether you really have lost your dog or not, is this what you want to experience? Is this the way you want to think about her? Do you want to be picturing her in this way? And of course I answered the question, no, this isn't what I want to experience. And so I, I got down on one knee and I absolutely willfully changed my thoughts and my feelings. 
And instead of picturing her gone, I pictured her here. Instead of, instead of picturing her uh, lost and, 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 and alone, I pictured her with me. And, and, and as I knelt down, I, I tried my best to feel that she was in my arms and that I was loving her. That, that truly the thing I wanted to remember with her and for her was that love that we shared, not a hollowness, not a fr- some frozen thing. And as I sat there for a moment, she just walked out from a shrub. <laughs> there, was, there was just a shrub there in someone's yard, and she just walked out, and I picked her up. Now, you, you might say to me, um, well, okay, that's interesting. And you might, you might say to yourself, well, now, so Larry, you're saying what? That you caused her to materialize there, you know, through the power of your, you know? I don't know how it works. But what I do know, in that moment, I chose to stop my, my crazed running around the neighborhood to stay in one place, I, I stopped myself and began having the, the belief that she was safe and careful, and, and maybe I was there long enough so that she, she noticed there was a person there and came out from her bush. I don't know how it works. But what I do know is that the experience of it does work. And that when we live from the place of optimism, when we live from the place of knowing that the universe is for us instead of against us, when we understand in our very heart that love really does smooth out the way, allows us to get the jobs we want, allows us to feel confident and safe in our own lives, it allows us to know that there is always hope for us because the reality of life is that it's for us. When I operate from that place, the world is good, and the world is safe, and there is loving kindness, because that's what I expect. Now, next week, we're going to talk about some concrete tools and techniques for, for making that switch, for being able to take something that's coming at you that doesn't look so good, or, or a set of thought patterns or beliefs that are limiting. And, and next week, we're going to learn how to reverse some of those. But today, I want you simply to rest with that idea that God is good that the, that the universe is here full of infinite possibilities for you as long as that's what you're looking for, as long as that is what is supported by your beliefs and your emotions. I'm going to close with a, a quote um, that ends this chapter in a prayer. When we think, something happens. There is no reason to doubt it. We are surrounded by, we are immersed in an infinite God of good. How much of this infinite good is ours? All of it. And how much of it may we have to use? As much of it as we can embody. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one love, one goodness. There's only just that one thing And I know that I'm a part of it. I know that the infinite nature of God includes me. And so I have to look nowhere further than my own heart and my own mind to to commune with that power and that presence of God. There is just that one, and it means me.
And the way God does things in the world is to take a hold of those thoughts and ideas, those passions and events, those things that I hold close to me, and it creates my reality around it. It, it, it tunes me in to seeing a physical evidence of what I believe, what I see, what, I, what I'm willing to accept. And as this is true for me, it, it is the law. Ernest Holmes called it the law of cause and effect. That effect of life is caused by our thinking, by our emotions, by that which we believe to be true. And as it is true in general, it is true for each person in this room, each person here co-creating the, the very universe that we live in through our thoughts and our beliefs. And so therefore I claim on this day that with each passing moment, we get better at it. That with each passing moment, there are skills to be learned around directing our thoughts in a more powerful way, in a more useful way, to allow us to experience life to its fullest. Not, not giving up on a job interview before it's even been had. Not saying goodbye to a beloved pet before its time is done. No. Accepting the good. Knowing the truth for ourselves as whole and perfect and complete. And I'm just grateful for this. I'm grateful for the power and presence of God throwing, flowing through each one of us as our thoughts. And so I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I just let it be, and together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.